0: Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run.
1: This is Robbie with Believe in the Run.
2: And this is Megan with Believe in the Run.
0: And you're listening to The Drop, our weekly podcast of all things running. We get ridiculous. Sometimes we get really serious. Mm. Sometimes it's very serious. But Robbie promised this week, not so serious as last week. We're going to keep it light, yeah. keep it airy. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. we got some exciting stuff coming up, including, I mean, all sorts of like news that we can share with people. <laughs>
1: it sounds like you have a real i mean I, the puma thing i want to talk about okay but, yeah. yeah that's
0: big news Perfect. and i mean we're going to be a whole p- hands with people if they want it
1: yeah news it's going to be like uh what's what's the news thing i don't watch the news i read um, the news. News newsapalooza newsapalooza is that, yeah. is that uh, a real no thing? that's not a real thing no. <laughs> i
0: just made that up. i was
1: going to say npr on steroids now i
0: do like that uh someone said that our podcast is like robbie what'd they say robbie's something i'm something Meg's the only adult in the room yeah,
2: that summed it up. That's actually right. pretty. Accurate. And I did
0: like the description that one guy uh, said, uh, Meg's amazing. Robbie is super cool or something. I mean, i'll take what, it don't say some, no more i think it was it might have been better than super cool and i was a punk rock gandalf of running which i freaking love i think that's going in my bio i mean i think you should run with a wizard staff from now I on do. I, I will do. i will do that you should do some
1: larping during your next marathon
0: i'll need to have a, yeah i'll need to get a crew together we'll need like a little guy with an axe and a guy with a ring and then a uh, uh archer you
1: did go to comic-con though a couple weeks ago i did go to comic-con you know
0: what i compare it that's interesting that you bring that up i took my son it was his uh, birthday and he wanted to go to comic con they were here in baltimore and uh i went and it was like the worst running um expo ever <laughs> <laughs> did you see a gandalf there i saw everything there like yeah there's costumes that little kids shouldn't i mean my son's 13 so it wasn't that bad but there's women walking around and stuff that like like
1: anime stuff or something
0: you know, I'm not that familiar with the genre. I don't know. That seems like something that we're talking be. fishnet stockings and like oh, yeah. uh, thong back, you yeah, know, stuff. <laughs> You're like, and, is this a strip club? Or and that's icon? just the guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was BronyCon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. it made it made um, running expos at events seem clean and well organized. That's So
1: funny. Were they selling goos there? Like two for one? <laughs> Wizard goo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even All right. So moving on. Oh, man. Comic-Con wizards. We're really hitting hitting all the strong running running points this week.
0: Yes. Um, Saruman.
1: All right. So, Gandalf,
0: how was your running week? Uh, my week was good. I really enjoyed doing the uh, Ekaden challenge with the group. And the ASICs
1: uh, Ekiden challenge yeah. for promotional purposes. And we'll get into that
0: because some people had some PRs on the team, which was awesome. I kind of ran it more with a camera than, Well, not kind of more. I ran it with a camera <laughs> and didn't really. I'll probably do my fast um, leg of that once the mm. event opens up and just do it with the Runkeeper app.
1: When does the event open up, Megan?
2: I think November 10th. 10th.
0: So it runs from November 10th to 22nd and it's a virtual event and it's free. Yeah. And you sign up with six of your friends Mm -hmm. and each pick one of the legs and then add it all together. And it's a
2: relay, but it's a virtual relay. So you don't have to hand off a baton. You can run anywhere. And when
0: you see the video of our group, we all just decided to run at the same time. And even like Meg helped paste um, Jared, the wide foot reviewer, paste him to a new 5K PR, 19 minutes, 49 seconds.
2: Yeah. It's really fun to not be racing a 5K. (laughs) But to be helping someone race a 5K. And
0: how much did he look like he's in pain, Robbie?
1: I mean, like, I saw the video because I was ahead of him Um because he started a little bit later. Robbie also
0: upr didn't you? I did by, like, two seconds. What was yours, Nineteen twenty-six. 1926, good year for something. Oh, yeah. I think
1: that's roaring 20s. Yeah, Probation. right before the world went in a pot. <laughs> yeah. Um That was, like, four good years. But the, yeah, 1926. But Yeah, Jarrett, when I saw the video of him, I was like, Dude, that's the face of suffering.
3: Yeah.
0: It was it was great because, you know, I hadn't been pushing the whole time he was doing 5K. You know, I'm running counterclockwise loops, filming people. So when he came, I'm like, oh, I'll film for his last little tenth of a mile, whatever. And I'm running next to him. And it didn't even feel that hard. <laughs> because um, you ran. I know. I'm <laughs> actually running. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but I was, like, running next to him. And he looked, like...
1: How was he? Because you were pacing him, Meg.
2: Yeah, he was great. I mean, super consistent. He totally trusted me with the pacing. And in the beginning, we had the discussion. And he's like, are you a good pacer? And I was like, yeah, don't even look at your watch. He was like, okay. And he didn't. And wow.
0: Does Meg right now look like Axl Rose? <laughs> She
1: <laughs> Oh, man, I wish people could see it. Oh. It's
2: cold. I have a headband on and my headphones. That's right. right. We've got a, a little real patience. Look. Yeah.
1: yeah. Welcome, Welcome to the, the jungle. jungle,
0: y'all. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, and then I saw Robbie. And, Robbie, while you looked strong, your pace looked strong, nothing would have given away that you were hurting until you started coughing a little bit. Dry heaving. And then while I was coming in with... Jarrett, who is apparently twenty seconds behind you or so, he uh, you were like doubled over. It looked like you were trying to throw up, but I couldn't tell.
1: I didn't really eat that much that morning, so I was trying to, but nothing was coming out.
0: But it was like a perfect day. Oh yeah, overcast, like fifty degrees, a little chilly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was. I had a really nice race. I didn't look at my watch for the first like mile and a half,
0: and oh, so you did check your pace
1: uh, after like a mile and a half, just because I was what, running with uh, Steve and I was. He wanted to go sub-20, so I was like, I need to know. Did he make sub-20? Oh, he, he did, actually. Oh, he did? Yeah.
0: Did he come in before Jarrett? Well, Jarrett started, we started later. started later. Oh, okay. So, so
1: anyways, I apparently ran six-minute mile for the first mile, which <laughs> when I was running, I thought I was going somewhat slow. And then...
0: It, which is funny, because the last podcast, you're saying how you feel like an imposter. And then you come out and, again, just drop the I hammer. Know. I don't know
1: how, what happens. Yeah.
0: I, I literally thought I was going to run like 22
1: minutes because I was like, I haven't done much last week.
0: I would never bet against Robbie in a, like a short distance
1: race. I think I can just like there's a certain pace that I can always hit, like a like a for 5k. I, I think at this point I can pretty much under 20 isn't that yeah. difficult. But anyways, so yeah, it was it was good, but there's always that point where it's like you try to push yourself, especially in the 5k, um, like the last mile or half mile, and if I go to a certain spot, I always just start getting nauseous and throwing up. Like that's perfect. Which I guess is what you are supposed so right, to do. Yeah. But, but it's, I feel good. Like I feel good. I don't feel tired like physically so much. But I just get nauseous. Do you know what I mean? They're taxed. I know, but it doesn't feel like I am until I start, like trying to puke.
2: That's because you haven't trained.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's probably accurate. Like I'm, If
2: you train your body to hit those paces, then the the vomiting feeling will subside for a lot longer
1: yeah maybe i should you guys got me start training yeah you guys
0: got me pumped up i'm i'm signed up for the shamrock in march in baltimore which is a really fast you have to say it in an
1: irish accent
0: shamrock that's is that
2: that the one accent is that scottish or irish it's his one accent oh it's the the
0: shamrock (laughs) (laughs) yeah um anyway the um that that one's a really fast 5k if you're in the area and you want to run a fast 5k it's a fun fast k because it starts on this wicked downhill down charles street and then just whips around and comes back into the harbor
1: remember that was the first race canceled by covid in our reality. oh it was
0: yeah i went and, i went and did packet pickup you got actually the got packet the packet, yeah and all the stuff and then that day they like Sorry, it's not going to happen.
1: It was like literally the next; like, I already gave out the packets the next morning. It was supposed to be race day.
0: Yeah,
2: I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I remember because I'm pretty sure I still have that shirt, and it's. I'm going it to put was, it out there. I'm going to train to run that fast.
1: To run the five k fast, like I've never trained for a five k. Oh, okay.
0: I'm going to have Megan look up a training plan <laughs> and, and uh, put it in my Just workouts. Google Google that.
2: Yeah. You can yeah. figure that one out. Anyway,
0: uh, the rest of the Faster Bastards all had great times. One of our good friends brought a bottle of sake and Ooh. a hot tub of water so that he could uh-huh. warm the sake after you guys finished up. I didn't get a partake. I'm super jealous. I had 18 miles to do, so I kept running. Dude, I almost
1: cried when that happened. because When I left? <laughs> no, the sake. Because oh. <laughs> it's, it's like a cool day, and it's it was nice to have a warm drink. Uh and I was, it was totally unexpected. Yeah. I was like, man, this is a solid move by Ben.
0: It was a, it was a power move by Ben. And Ben ran amazing. I think a 17.
2: 17 something. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And a shout out to you, Mr. Adams, if you're listening. Yeah. Um.
1: Sorry. But anyways, if you're for the Ekaden, if you do want to sign up and go to Runkeeper, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, yeah. And then
0: you can sign up for free. Yeah. It's free. It's fun. Build a team.
1: It, it actually is kind of like a fun thing just to get out there with some friends and, just run your yeah fastest. i also
0: think like if you guys all moved away it'd be fun to do it separately and we do have so we had three teams we had the believe in the run home team which is everybody here in the office so we could, could all run together we had the faster bastards who were all here in baltimore so they were able to run together and then we had um our believe in the run away team which is like the fast ones and so that's the like none of those guys are ever going to get to see each other but they'll all participate. Never say team. never. Well, I mean, during the. Oh, right. Nobody's moving, driving out to do the Ekadin mm-hmm. together. Yeah. It's so a lot of gas be, money. Yeah, it should be good.
1: 330 a gallon. Can't do that.
0: Yeah. Meg, how's your running going? You seem to be stacking up the miles.
2: No, I'm like on a down week.
0: Oh, you're on a down week? Oh.
2: But yeah, just taking it easy. Just enjoying fine. running. Yeah, it turned into winter today, so that was fun.
0: It was fun. I did a speed workout today for my prep because I'm going to I'm gonna do another marathon this year. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing uh, the NCR marathon. I mean, all right, whatever. <laughs> Meg's hiding something, and I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> it's,
1: we'll see. This is my house on Friday. Yeah, we'll have something to talk about next week. All right, whatever. Uh, I will say, winter running... So today it was like 37 degrees when we went out. Uh, I forgot how much I love winter mine. It is like the best. I
0: like it for a week.
1: I, I Really? The laundry. Man, the uh, laundry. The- like three jackets a week. That's why I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wear the same tracks for shirt for two weeks straight.
0: Yeah, I wore mine today and Ugh. it's gone straight into the wash. It's
1: merino. It doesn't smell. That's a fact. That's I, w-
0: I did a workout after it and I was like, I stink. Maybe I just can't smell things. Yeah. It might be that mustache is filtering. <laughs> <laughs> All that particular dude, you
1: know when uh you see one of those guys that's has smoked their whole lives and their oh, mustache it's is just one yellow. color. <laughs> like on one side.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's got the discoloration. Yeah. It's kinda cool. Yeah. I don't <laughs> it's <not>. kinda cool. <laughs> is that just me? Is that just a redneck in me? I think it's a redneck in you. All right. Uh, yeah. But uh hey, you know what? Let's get into we're going out to Austin, Texas, the end of this month. It is November, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: It's November third.
0: So the end of this month, about about a month from now, we'll be in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. and we'll be at the running event where we're going to be uh, meeting with a bunch of people.
1: I love how long they took to think about the name for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's an event that has running. Yeah, it's called the Running Event. Done. Meeting adjourned.
0: Well, New York City Marathon was already taken.
1: Mm. For Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Um. Anyhow. We'll be there, um, and we're going to do a couple things that are going to be open to the public to join us, and we're even going to have Michael Coe, if you know Kafuzi, He's going to come out and hang out with us, but we're going to do a shakeout run where everybody's invited, and Puma is sponsoring it, so they're going to be giving away some Puma gear and shoes, and then we're also going to be doing a live podcast. It's live in the fact that you'll be, if you're there, you'll be listening to it live, but It'll be recorded for the rest of you. But while we're there, we're going to be at a restaurant called Bangers, and we're going to have food and drinks. Because, of course, we'd go to a restaurant called Bangers. Yeah. Uh, Bangers only. Yeah. But, yeah, so we'll be there. It's going to be open to the public. The first, I think we're we're maxing out at 100 people for the uh, live podcast. Uh, You know, if you want to bring 2,000 people to the ShakeOut Run, that's fine. It's going to be as many people as want to join us.
1: The, for the live podcast, we'll be interviewing a couple of Puma athletes. Uh, yeah, including just, Amy Craig. I'm just going to say uh for like 30 seconds while Megan pulls it up. Um, Amy Craig. I like Craig. It's, no, it's Craig. I, like, like the aggro Craig from Nickelodeon Gus. I don't
0: know that it's pronounced that way. I think it's Craig. No, it's Craig. It's literally C-R-A-G-G.
2: There's G- no I. No, it's Craig.
0: Craig. I know it's
1: C-R-A-G-G, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are you saying? Craig. <laughs> okay you were thinking of craig angles who is going to be on the podcast next week by the way no, I, when we
0: were talking to them they said craig they didn't say craig i think they don't know who their own athletes
1: are. okay
2: They're the other about- so amy craig is the coach of the team have you ever Raleigh. heard her say her name though and um, the I'll- other two athletes coming on are going to be patrick to dever debate. and taylor werner
0: okay yeah cool so and we're going to talk and we're also having the uh i think todd fokker from uh puma you
1: pronounce that one right because the other one will get us banned from itunes oh
0: yeah (laughs) Um, So anyway he'll be there and we'll be talking about the new 2022 23 puma uh shoes in development at this point it could be 2024
1: (laughs) yeah
0: but uh there's some exciting they showed us some stuff that looks pretty exciting so far and we will be happy to share it with the public. And we'd love to meet you. We'd love to see you. Even if you're not a fan of ours and you're a fan of Michael Co., we're trying to wrangle up Drew Whitcomb from Wear Testers. And we might even see Tommy Runs. I don't know. There's gonna be cool people there. That's all you need yeah. to know.
1: That, so that's gonna be Thursday, December second. The run as of now is gonna be at eight AM at Hilton Place. Hyatt Place. Hyatt Place. Yes. Place downtown. Yes. Austin. And then the podcast, uh, live podcast event is going to be at noon, doors open at Bangers near the convention center.
0: And if you know Jarrett, he might try to make us do our shakeout run to that donut shop and back.
1: We will be doing, yeah, we'll be doing a a donut run at some point.
0: We got to bring cash. Remember that place doesn't take, uh, doesn't take a credit card.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe they take Bitcoin Mm. so you can pay for us. Boom. I could Shiba buy the donut Shiba place. Coin.
0: Um, yeah. Anyhow, we're totally psyched about that. Excited to do that. And then, um, obviously, talk to all the manufacturers and all that while we're there and find out some good news for you for what's happening. We'll be doing, what's happening.
1: We're doing YouTube videos. We'll be doing photos, All proving all 2022 stuff. Interviews. Um, that
2: we're allowed to show.
1: Yeah. Rich. I'm doing karate moves to see yeah. to do yeah. how fast. I got
0: Axl Rose and Bruce Lee in here. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite the celebrity bash all right first check in and uh i know that some of you guys are running alone all week but you know try to find a group and do at least one run with some friends i'm sure there's somebody around but if you're out in the boonies and there's nobody around i don't know just keep it keep it strong tune in to us we'll keep you company
1: moving on uh do we have shoe can you say something because i feel like i'm
0: Come on, Axel. And We need the adult to start.
2: What? I'm just letting you guys go. is right.
0: a what? What clothing have she, you been wearing of our new stuff? I know you got some new Tracksmith.
2: I love the Tracksmith. So the Brighton bass layer is by far my favorite, and then the Speed short is my favorite short.
0: And we will be coming out with our best up soon. Yeah. And I don't know the something from Tracksmith always makes it on the list. I I can't imagine that there's one piece that we'd all agree on more than the Brighton base layer.
2: just is that? You would choose that over the hair. I wore it today, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I have one that's like probably six to seven years old, still is in great shape. And I have one that's maybe two years old that I wore today that, well, actually, I don't know which one's which. But they're both in like great shape. So even though it's an investment piece for your running wardrobe, I think it's worth it.
1: That and the turnover tights. If you buy both of those things, that's literally all you need for the whole winter. Gloves and
2: and Robbie just doesn't wash them; just wears them over That's it's right,
1: the only thing you need.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not even soap.
1: <laughs> and use the use the links on our reviews so we can get the affiliate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> we're not doing we're not selling this because of that because it's not like that much. But yeah, I do. every little bit yeah. helps. Yeah, Um we're also wearing these insane. We're all wearing the same boots, right? Are we now. wearing the same shoes? Yeah. Are they
2: <laughs> what are these called the deckers i tried to find them on the website Uh, and i couldn't
0: like these they're on the website like if we're gonna get a christmas present for someone in your family
2: yeah deckers boots
0: like do you think your mom would like these
2: who wouldn't like these is the question literally yeah a lot of the deckers stuff is what i would call so ugly that it's that's what i was looking for
0: Mm -hmm. like it starts to i first saw this boot i was like there's no way i can pull this off and then i started wearing it and i was like (laughs) I don't care if I can or cannot pull this off. I'm wearing them. I like the red one. Yeah, it's called the Escape Wool, and basically, it's a boot that has is just full of wool on the inside. It's like a combination of an UGG shoe and a sneaker and a hoka. Yeah, the what used to be my favorite was what's this one called? The cozy, cozy boot sniper. Oh, the cozy sniper used to be my favorite, but it was really kind of limited to where you could wear it.
1: I think it's a sniper i don't know it's snpr it could be a combination of sneaker and slipper yeah probably. snipper
0: snipper yeah that that i love because it's so easy to get it on and off but the fur that's inside that is in this thing and this thing i think is just more it's got more cush underneath I yeah love, i love them both like deckers keeps sending them um
1: yeah they're not particularly particularly running
0: uh, Not running at all.
2: No, but... Running adjacent. I got to tell you, it's the best thing to put on your feet after a long run in the winter, mm-hmm. like when you're tired and you got to go do stuff, these boots. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So this week, Meg, why don't you give us a little background on our guest?
2: Uh, today, we are chatting with Melissa Hardesty, and she actually won the Wine Glass Marathon while we were there this year. Uh, she ran a 243, 243, mm. I think... And um, it's funny because you expect the winner of a marathon to be super excited about the win and their time and everything. And so it was interesting to hear her perspective because she didn't hit her A goal. Really? Um, What was
1: her A goal? Oh, I guess we'll find
0: out.
2: Yeah. Listen to the podcast. You know what's crazy?
0: Meg says it's hard to find a winner. Meg has won marathons several times. And not been happy with that. That's that's what I was gonna ask. Result. Her. I was like, uh, I think you're describing yourself. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I think Megan thinks it's shocking that somebody ran a marathon where Megan would be super happy. You never run it. your eagle, like. Not when she won those marathons. Her eagle was to sub three, and she was no like, the first one. that oh, was okay. Did you cry happy tears? Uh,
2: yeah. Thomas did for me. Oh, wow. Lots yeah.
0: I, like I squirted like a.
2: He's the crier in the relationship.
0: Yeah. Wow. Oh, really. Yeah. I was so proud of her I, I, when I found out that she won and I crossed the finish line. And I think I actually had a good marathon that day too, mate. You said we never had one together.
1: And so she didn't cry for you? That's kind of messed up. No, she
0: was too busy doing interviews on the news. Oh, wow. <laughs> the th- local they had, news. Well, local, but they also brought it up to Baltimore. Yeah. So it was pretty cool.
2: But anyway, yeah, this is a good chat. Um, it was fun to hear a little bit about her and her introduction into running and... Take a listen. All right. So today we are chatting with Melissa Hardesty. I saw Melissa at Wineglass Marathon last weekend um, because she won the race. So Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, before we dive into your awesome race performance, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you grew up, and how you got into running?
3: Sure. Um, So, I'm from a town called Cherville, Indiana. Um, It's about 35 miles southeast of Chicago. Um, So, I started running... So, you know, I had to run, like, maybe it was the presidential mile in high school. I, that may have been something that I had to do. Um, <laughs> Got a lot of I definitely running. had to run a mile in high school. So I did that. Um, and then at some point in, in college, when I was exercising, I worked up to running a mile on the indoor track at school. I went to Indiana University. Um, but I, I wasn't a runner growing up. I was a dancer. I was in color guard. Um, and then when I was, I don't, I, I must have been 28 or 29 Um at the time, uh, my boyfriend at the time, no longer my boyfriend, um, he, um, he decided to start running. Maybe some of his friends had started running. So um, we would run around, like just run around the block in our neighborhood a couple of times. And I started doing that and I just kept adding on. And so that was my start to running. So when I was 28 or 29, I think.
0: So you're not coming from the uh, track background, the cross-country Running, this was more, you're more along the line of like, it was like fitness fun kind of running when you started, right?
3: That, yeah, that's right. I um, I think, you know, at the time I was working a lot of midnight shifts shifts on um, an inpatient psychiatric unit. And so it was like doing that graveyard shift is just not great for um, exercise and general health. And I had always been pretty healthy and I, but I just was like, I need to start doing something. So I, start, I started running mostly for fitness. Oh, wow. So yeah. what
2: um what do you do for a living? And sorry, and your your school and background there.
3: Yeah, so I am I am an assistant professor, which means I don't yet have tenure of social work at Binghamton University, which is one of the the State University of New York schools.
2: Okay, very cool. So what's a what's a typical day look like for you? Um.
3: So. Being a professor is interesting because it's a lot of, um, it's, there isn't really a typical day, but I would say that usually I'll wake up and have a cup of coffee and breakfast and, you know, do like do some reading the news and stuff like that. And then I'll usually go out for a run. Um, and then probably, not de- these days, uh, the past week and a half, I've not been running, but, but a usual morning run will usually be about um, eight to 10 miles. And then, um, then I'll you know, do meetings, or if I'm teaching that day, I'll teach um, another component of my do- job is doing research. Um, so that kind of thing. So it differs from day to day, but the wake up, eat breakfast, run does not, does not change from day to day. And then it, sometimes I do a double if I'm trying to increase my mileage. So I'll do a run sometimes around 5 or 6 p.m., just like four to five miles.
2: So have you, because of COVID, been doing like virtual learning and teaching or are you in person?
3: Right now we are back in person again. Um, So that is – it's great in some ways. Um, In other ways it's a bummer because our classes are once a week, three hours, so then you have to be in a face mask for that time Mm. teaching. Um, Last year we started out with this – this, every other week we'd be in person or online, and then some of our students were always online, and then in the spring I was totally online. So it's bounced back and forth, but we're back to in person now.
2: Okay, very cool. Okay, so you start running at 28, 29, just around your block. What happens to now where you're winning marathons?
3: <laughs> Good question, because when I first started running, I was, okay, so first of all, I've never... you know, I was active as a, as a dancer and in color guard growing up, we were very competitive, but I was never good at sports. I think I may, I got at at least a B, maybe a B minus in high school gym. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was was like, I'm not going to try to be, I I was like, I'm not going to try to be competitive at this. Um, I didn't even probably until I was probably about four or five years into running before I ever had a watch on my wrist and like knew how to work the watch. But, um, so I would say that, that at the beginning I was sort of fascinated that people could run so far. Um, so I, so I would just keep running and I didn't understand that people like, for example, I wouldn't sign up for a 5k if my usual distance was four or five miles. Cause then it didn't occur to me that you would run before or after the race also. So <laughs> I'd be like, well, I want to run more than that. So why would I sign up for the 5k? So, What happened is that in 2007 I started graduate school at the University of Chicago. And of course the Chicago marathon happens in Chicago. And two people that were in my cohort, um, came in on a Monday and they were hobbling around because they had run the marathon. And I thought, wow, I didn't realize that like people just ran the marathon. And so it kind of got in my head and I thought, well, you know, I'm not interested in being really speedy, but maybe I could run the marathon. Um, and so this is, this is getting into, uh, I, well, I don't know what the word is for it, but you know, GI problems are common. Yeah, yeah. runners, So I was also like, well, if I run the, the marathon, I know that there are going to be porta bodies potties <laughs> along the way if I have to use the bathroom. So that was kind of like my thing with the marathon is I thought, okay, so then I could run, you know the distance and that would be an accomplishment. And so I didn't really have a set time goal. Um, and then I finished the marathon the last several miles were brutal. I, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And then I thought that's it, I'm done. Um, and then, um, so by this time I had moved, moved to, moved to Chicago. My first year I commuted to school, but then I moved to Chicago and I started running on the lakefront path and I met, um, the guy who has been my boyfriend for the last 12 years, his name's Joe. And he ran in college, and so he would see me out running on the lakefront path. And I think he had thought that I ran in college, but I <laughs> I didn't. And so we started running together. And he said, "Well, you should try. You should try racing." Um, and so he he taught me to do workouts. Like I didn't know that you would do. I didn't know that people did speed workouts to get faster. So um, this, this story this is in-
0: eerily familiar. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, well, there, you know, there's a guy that I was just talking to. He was actually, I was a resident head. So I lived in the dorms in Chicago, but I was talking to one of the guys that was my students. And he was like, you know, I see some of these people posting on Strava where they're running like eight minute pace on their easy days, but they can run like sub six minute pace in a race. Like, what's that about? And I just started laughing (laughs) and I was like, yeah, that's how you you train. But it's funny because it's not, it's not obvious, you know? So yeah, so then I, like my goal was to, um, people were starting to uh, register for the Shamrock Shuffle, which is a huge 8K race in Chicago. And so I wanted to get into a faster, or a better corral for the Shamrock Shuffle. So I ran in an indoor track meet at U Chicago, and that was like my first race. So I ran the Chicago Marathon in October of, uh, I think it was 20, what was it? No, it was 2008. And then I didn't run a race again until 2010, and so that was that indoor track meet to try to get into a better corral for the Shamrock Shuffle.
0: It's kind of funny because
3: that was my trajectory. When, That's amazing.
0: When Meg started running, it sound, it's it's very similar story, and Meg didn't even know that she was kind of faster than the norm, and so she was doing like every day she'd run what two three miles.
2: Yeah, but like same pace, like no watch, like very similar. It sounds like to what you were doing.
0: And I was like, you actually have a pretty good pace you should probably do a race and it never like really done to do it and she did it were you the similar like did you know that you were fast when you were running or did you find out through running that you were a little bit on the quicker side
3: i i found out through running i would say um yeah i mean because i again i would look at people's training i, I would look at my training pace and i would look at people's training pace and i would assume that what I ran for training was what I would run in a race. So I you know, yeah. So I, I didn't really, yeah, I didn't know. Um, so once, and in fact, no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, I was, so I was at the start line of that shamrock shuffle. And I remember standing next to this young woman asking her how fast she had run in the past. And I remember being like really impressed with her time. I think she said 33 minutes. And um, I looked at her and she was like tall. And I thought, oh, that's no fair. She has all these (laughs) advantages, Um, but I'm like a really tiny person. And so again, just so ignorant. Like I had no idea. I was like, like, actually I have an advantage (laughs) because I'm I'm very tiny. Anyway. Yeah. So once you start
2: doing these like structured workouts that Joe explains to you, um, do you immediately start seeing benefits and like getting faster real, real quick?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I ran, um, in, it was probably February of 2010. I ran, I think 1930 for the 5k and then, um, by the spring of the next year, I want to say, or maybe it was like a year and a half, but I, I ran, I think 1810. So it was just, and then there was, a, a yeah, it was, um, yeah, a big improvement and, and so big, I think that I was, Spoiled by it and didn't understand that it was unusual. Do you
0: know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I love beginners for that. It's like a PR every week, and you're like, "This doesn't last forever. Don't get used to this." <laughs> but no, hey, that's so, right. Yeah, that's right. W- with your profession, and I think of uh, social work, sort of similar to psychology, and and there's a component to it that dealing with people, obviously. But running is, it, I feel so beneficial for mental health and and for just general health and. With you so, you know, closely with your what you're teaching and what you're uh, an associate per, is it associate professor or assistant professor,
3: assistant now. Hopefully, okay. associate next year. But okay, we'll
0: um, but it, you have to see that it, it applies to some of the things you're teaching. Do you find a way to weave it into like your 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 classes?
3: Sometimes I do if I'm just giving a random example. Um, or like, for example, I remember, um, I was teaching about life course development, which is this idea that you don't just like get to adulthood and it's, and, and you've developed, you know, like there's this whole, uh, yeah, like yeah. you keep going. Um, <laughs> for real. and so there, there are people, yeah, yeah. So, um, there's, there's, uh, Eric Erickson has, you know, this theory and they talk about, you know, he has different stages at the later life stages. And I remember, um, bringing in Ed Whitlock. Um, and his like, uh, you know, I think he was still running sub three at like 70 something. I don't remember exactly, but, um, so, you know, I brought in him as an example. Um, so I do, I do tend to weave it in as an example. Um, interestingly, I mean, I think about the mental health component of it and I actually, I agree. I think it's incredible for mental health. There's something about doing something repetitive with your body and then just kind of letting your mind kind of roam free that I think is, um, there. I'm sure there are lots of activities that have this component to them, but running is, is zen in a way um, that is unexpected, I think, that I've learned over time. Um, but yeah, I haven't incorporated it in that aspect so much. Maybe mm. I should, although maybe the students don't wanna hear about Because you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I hate running, and I understand because I used to think it was stupid, um, so. <laughs> It, yeah. <laughs> is, it is
0: one of the hardest things to describe like once it gets a hold of you why it continues to have a hold on you like it, it it's interesting like you said when you finish chicago you were done you're like that was hard i don't think i'll do that again and i i find the people that can actually do one marathon and be like i'm never going to do that again to be more rare than the person that finishes the marathon and then is like all right let me sign up for the next one and the next one and the next one uh it you, you don't see it too often
3: yeah, that's, it's so, it, it's so interesting. And I, I wonder if it's just, um, like I, the thing I love about running is that there are so many competitions. It's like between you and the competition, between you and the clock, and then between you and you. And I think like, that's the one that, that keeps me motivated. And I'm sure a lot of people, cause you could like first be, you know, even if a bad race or a rough race, it's like, you could be really bummed about it or frustrated, but then think, oh, I've really got to go back and I've got to, I've got to work on this one thing or I, or I know I could just do better. Um, it's, satis- it's really satisfying, you know?
0: Second check-in. You know, people get hung up on times way too much. And the fact of the matter is nobody cares about your time unless it's close to theirs and you're beating them or losing to them and it's teeter-tottering back and forth. But the rest of us, nobody cares. We don't care if you ran a four-hour marathon a three hour marathon, sub three hour marathon, the only people that really care are you and the BAA. Everybody else, they don't care what your time is. So just relax, have some fun. Maybe once you relax, your times will naturally come down.
2: Did you have any sort of breakthrough performance or like when did you know that you
3: were super fast? So, It's kind of funny because like the the faster I get, the less, less fast I think I am, if that makes sense. Sure. Or I know, you know sure. what I mean? It's like yeah. I know how fast some people are. Um, I, I told you that I met my boyfriend, Joe. At the time he was running on the Fleet Feet Sports, had um, a competitive racing team and they also have a club racing team. But um, he was on their men's competitive racing team. And through finding out about that, I found out that some of the women on the team were trying to qualify for the Olympic trials in uh, 2012. And so I think it was in comparing myself to them. So I would, um, you know, I started out by, when I came back to running again, I, you know, I did the Shamrock Shuffle. I did um, several 5Ks for a while. I didn't run a marathon again until 2011. So I ran 2008 and 2011. Um, But from 2010 until um, 2011, I was, I was starting to catch them. I was starting to catch the women that were, had a good chance at going to the Olympic trials. And so I thought, you know, I wonder, I wonder if I could do it too. And so then it gets stuck in your brain, you know? So, yeah. And then uh, I, you know, I had one breakout performance, which um, was at this, so that was in 20. So yeah, I started to get this idea around 2011, but then I had a bad marathon and thought, Forget about the marathon, um, but but then, you know, 2013 again. I got it in my head and signed up for Grandma's. But when I was training for for Grandma's 2013, um, there's a race called the Soldier Field 10 Miler where you end in Soldier Field, where where the Chicago Bears play. And I was intending to go out at like 6:10 or 6:15 pace, but all the fast women in Chicago show up, and um, and so one of my teammates. Uh, by this time, I had joined the Fleet Feet team. Um, this is one of my goals was to get onto the fleet speed team to be fast enough. Um, but one of my friends on the team was, she said, well, she was going to run six minute pace. And I thought, I don't want to lead. I don't want to decide from the get go that I'm going to be behind. So I started running with the lead pack of women, six minute pace. Um, and again, I didn't think that my fitness was anywhere near this and, um, people just kept falling off the pace and falling off the pace and falling off the pace. And finally, it was me and two other women who were probably like 10 years younger than me, um, both had run division one. And so I got, I was like terrified the last couple of miles of this race, um, but I ended up coming in second. And I remember oh, wow. being really excited about that. So I would say that was a break, a, a break, breakout race for me because I had not expected to run that fast. And I think I ran like 59.32 that day and just had not expected it. Um, to be running with with those women, so
2: yeah, that's amazing. Um, wh- you said you had a bad marathon right before Grandma's. What what went wrong there?
3: Oh, just you know, I made all the rookie mistakes. So I had so that was in 2011. I had run a really a surprisingly good half marathon um, August um, before, and, and you know the Chicago Marathons in October. Um, and so I, I thought I'm definitely ready to break three hours. Um, but I made mistakes like I couldn't figure out what shoes to wear so that I ended up wearing a a pair of shoes that my feet were hurting. And then I, um, I think I just like, I let my, the bad part of my mind take hold. Um, and, uh, so, I mean, it was so bad that at mile 17, uh, Somebody I know saw, saw me and was like, Go, oh, Melissa. And I was like, I literally shouted, This effing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, which is a horrible attitude. Okay? I had that at just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then I took some walk breaks. I just was like, just let myself go, you know, mentally let mm-hmm. myself go. It was slightly warm that day. And then I ended up running, okay, three hours and eight seconds. Oh. So it was all it was it was me. You know what I mean? It yep. was my mind that prevented me from breaking three hours. It was just my my horrible attitude. The rookie mistakes, like the shoes, but yeah, my my horrible attitude that had stood to in be the way. And
0: crazy to get like finish up and realize, okay,
3: Eight I seconds. was almost yeah. at,
0: at my goal, and just I let my like, oh yeah, I'm. How fast did you reload to get into another marathon?
3: Um, it was two years. Oh, wow. So, I know, I know it was, um, I just thought, well, maybe the marathon is maybe the marathon not for me. What's funny is that that was a 54 minute PR <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, you know, and keep in mind, I hadn't run a marathon for for three years, but it was a 54 minute PR. But I thought, I think the marathon is, is not for me. Um, but you know the Olympic trials were in the back of my mind like this whole time. And I thought, so 2013, I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to make a go at it. And so, you know, between 2011 and 2013, I slowly ramped up my mileage. So I I probably averaged 60 miles a week when I was training for Chicago 2011. And then I got up to um, about 70 miles a week for grandma's marathon in 2013. And then I like, that was the first marathon that I ran. Um, The conditions were perfect, but um, that I felt really like I was racing to the very end. Um and I ended up running two forty eight that day and I was ecstatic. But you know, then then of course I think the standard for twenty twelve was two forty six and then they lowered it to two forty three. So then I was like, Oh, I've got you know, I got some work to do. I was really excited, but I thought I have some work to do. So
2: Were you nervous yeah. going into grandma's cause the last marathon you had done was um was it Chicago, the one the bad one? yeah so were you nervous um, at all about that like mental state coming back into this
3: yeah I, you know I'm always I'm always nervous I uh I get nervous about every single race like I'll start sweating on the way to the race um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if other people have this too but I like literally will start sweating I yeah I was I was pretty edgy I was like tossing and turning all night which is um, kind of usual for me, but, but, you know, thankfully somebody I trusted at one point I was, I was, um, had told me, cause I was standing on the start line of a half marathon at one point, And I said, I didn't sleep last night. And she was like, you don't need sleep to run fast. And so I was like, I always have that in my head and it turns out it's probably better to get sleep, but it <laughs> yeah. turns out the night before you can run on, on empty. So yeah, I was really edgy. I was really nervous. Um, I had like, I don't know if other people have this, but like this phantom, like I have to pee while well, at the starting line. Uh, my friend Rich was like, if you have to pee, just just pee your pants, <laughs> like um, he was like, it, whatever happens in the marathon stays in the marathon. But the thing is wh- like, once the gun went off, I, I settled down and in that race, it was sort of like, I felt sort of rusty at the beginning, but then I really started to pick up steam at the halfway point. Um, and grandma's is a great course. And then it's slightly downhill the last several miles. So if you have anything left, um, at the, just at the point where it starts to get really mentally hard, um, the race gives you like a little bit of a breather. So, um, yeah, I think it was just, I was, I was on that day. So, uh, the, the demons didn't start to haunt me. So that was great.
0: <laughs> That's so interesting. Cause I think a lot of us, the night before a marathon is rough. Like uh, you want to get that sleep and you feel nervous and anxious at just about getting the sleep. So you've already got yourself worked up that you need to sleep and you're, you're getting, getting there. And if you wake up at three and you're like, oh, I'm getting up at four thirty. I got an hour and you sit there and you, you lightly sit in your bed and you're, you're worried about it. And then you go into the, uh, the, now the new stress of, hey, it's time to get everything ready and get to the start line. Yeah. I, I think that's totally relatable to most people.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm jealous of people that like, I know that people that can sleep like a baby the night before a race, but yeah, I, I am guessing that a lot of people are like, like you were just describing tossing and turning and getting anxious.
2: So you hit that 248 in grandma's and at that point you have to feel pretty confident of still wanting that
3: OTQ. So
2: what's, what happens after that?
3: I like, I was just thinking, okay, so I've got to keep, uh, building mileage. So I moved, um, I was living in Chicago at the time and I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, um, where, uh, my boyfriend was living at the time. And, um, we ended up both, I guess, working in Raleigh for a couple of years. But, um, I think that I, at that point I my plan was to register for the Boston marathon because I had had this live in resident head job. I had never gotten the chance to run Boston, even though I had the Boston qualifier in 2011. So I, I signed up for the Boston marathon for the the following April and was, yeah, just focused on building mileage, trying to run a strong time at Boston and had a bad race there. Um, But um, you know, it was, yeah. So uh, it's kind of funny because I, I think I was in the Newton Hills and I remember passing Joni, you know, yeah. and I was like, Oh, I'm doing pretty well. But it's, <laughs> it's also funny because Joni is like my mom's age, but I was like, Oh, I'm passing Joni. is Great. But then, you know, Boston's tricky. So like somewhere around 23 mile, 23 or 24, I just started to feel, uh, feel the pain. But, but there was like my next mar- That was my next marathon. I think I ran two fifty-two there. So I was pretty disappointed, but I was like, you know, I've just got to keep, uh, training and, uh, I think it's for that Boston, I bumped my mileage up to 80 or so miles a week. Oh, wow. And then I bumped it up even a little more and I ran the Philadelphia Marathon in November of 2014. And um, I, so in that race, I thought I was in about 244, 245 shape and um, a pack went out at trying for the OTQ, which at the time was 243. So um, a pack of women went out running, uh, trying to run sub 243 pace. There was nobody behind them. So I stuck with them. Um, felt the pain in the last few miles, but I ended up running 245. so I was pretty excited oh, wow. about that. So that's sort of like trying to get that down to sub 243.
2: It's interesting you saying you had sort of that breakthrough with the 248 and then you go run Boston and have this crappy race. Like I feel like very relatable because I feel like I have a great performance and then I want to go chase another fast time and then, I'll blow up in a race or just have a terrible race. And then the next one will be good. But it's rarely that you get that like PR, PR, PR performance.
0: Unless you're that new runner that
2: I was talking about. But yeah,
0: I mean, that's exactly what Wineglass, when you guys lined up, you know, your goal was a little bit different.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I felt quite, quite a bit short at Wineglass. But it's, it's nice to know that someone as fast as you also has these these tough races where it doesn't work out, even if your fitness was there, it could be something goes wrong mentally, or you know, you don't know what shoes to wear, or something like that.
3: Yeah, no, that's right. I, um, so were you trying to break three at Wine Glass? I was trying to go sub 255. Sub 255. So, yeah, I mean, I, so do, I don't know if this will be consolation to you or not, but I, I actually ran decently slower than i wanted to at wine glass as well (laughs) i don't know if it was mental or physical or both um but yeah yeah what were you what were you gunning
2: for at wine glass
3: i wanted to run under 240 okay um and my training suggested that it was that i should be able to do that um and i So, but you know, the the weather was sort of weird and I didn't know how to adjust based on the weather and so I decided not to adjust at all. Um and I honestly so I actually had to take a pit stop in the first half, but I I still ended up running like it was either like one twenty oh seven or one twenty thirteen, um, which is a half marathon PR for me. (laughs) Um but um but I just kind of like slowly flowed over the second half. I never felt like anybody pulled the rug out from under me, but I just, so I don't know if it was that there weren't people around me to keep, to keep me pushing the pace. I don't know if it was like the rain that was slowly getting to me. Um, I don't know. I what, also what about, what think
0: was, that that race is kind of sneaky in a way because you're running in a straight line without too many turns for the first part. And people tell you it's a downhill race And really it's kind of more like rolling and especially the second half you hit mile 14. There's like a pretty decent climb up uphill and then it's followed by a bunch of like winding turns and you don't get in the rhythm that you get in the beginning where you can kind of just dial in the pace. And then I don't know if you remember going down like a steep little hill around like the school around mile 20. What is that? 23. Yeah, it's late. Something like that. And it just kind of chews up your legs because you haven't been like doing anything uh, tough like that. And then again, you're doing like hairpin turns. Like there's that one cut back. And even though you're close, I just feel like you go from running smooth, steady to like kind of like zigzagging and, and jumping around.
3: That's right. I, you know, and my legs felt trashed after that race in a way that they, they don't, Usually, like my legs felt worse after that race than they felt in Atlanta. And Atlanta was like, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, I wonder if it was that like my hamstrings hurt and then my ankles were pretty sore. And I, yeah, I don't know if it was like all that zigzagging. And then there are so many places where you're sort of running almost Ooh, on the shoulder of the road.
0: That was the other thing I forgot. It's cambered, the road's cambered. So it's like you're fighting, your ankles are fighting to get level. And I totally felt my ankles felt totally stressed, especially being on the side of the road. We were on, we're on the right side. So like yeah. that outer leg that's closest to the right, your right leg, I guess you call it. it <laughs> <So, laughs> closest to the thing. It, yeah, it was like stressful for my ankles. And I don't know what shoe you were in. I was wearing the Alpha Fly, so it's a little higher stack. So you're kind of fighting the, the landing and your ankle wanting to kind of turn out for a long time and I'm not the only one Jarrett who I was running with complained, yeah. complained about that
3: that's interesting I, you know I was also wearing the alpha fly um, which interestingly the first time I wore the alpha fly I was like eh, and then uh, then I did a tempo run in them and I was like whoa um, <laughs> so, yeah
0: so, I think that's a lot of people yeah, with the yeah, alpha fly I,
3: I run on my t- like maybe I run more midfoot now but um, the way I run, I think is really is really good for the, the alpha fly. Maybe other people don't get as much out of them if they don't land on that pod. But but yeah, my ankles my ankles were very very sore the next day. I, I sort of thought that I was injured, but it went away after a day. So
0: I think it's the know. stress of that sloping road and that they slope them so that the snow when there's snow they can uh, it's easier to plow them off. But and when it melts, it, it drains off. But it definitely played into. The fatigue and i think another thing that may have is because it was raining normally you might run to where the puddles were which is a little bit flatter and because it was raining you want to stay out of the puddle so you went to the area where it was draining off which was more cambered so you'd be on an angle more often so
3: possible that's right it was yeah it was hard to figure out where to run a lot of the time so yeah um, i
2: in where we were running in our times we were usually surrounded by like at least a couple people at all times. I imagine you were pretty much by yourself for that race.
3: Yeah. I had a, I had a guy running with me for the first 10 K and then he fell off the pace. And then, um, there was a guy about, I want to say 20 or 30 seconds ahead of me, um, for the entire race. But then I ended up passing him and maybe one other guy in the last few miles. And then I think in front of me, maybe the nearest person was, when I looked at the finish results, I, I think the nearest person was like six minutes ahead of me. So it was like, yeah, there was no man's land. Um, did you yeah. know
2: you were in first place the whole time?
3: I did. I did. It was, you know, I so thought I had a bike on me the whole time, which okay. was, it actually didn't get that. I thought it would be like unnerving to have a bike the whole time, but it ended up, um, yeah, it ended up being okay. Um, I remember asking him at some point, I'm like, are you allowed to tell me where second place is right now? And he was like, Cause that's what I was thinking of taking a pit stop. But but he, I mean, he didn't know they, they weren't talking to each other or anything, but he looked over his shoulder and was just like, I don't see anybody. <laughs>
0: uh, I actually but, love yeah, running with so, a bike pacer because they always look like they're not working that hard. And then I'm calmed down. I'm like, oh, this isn't so hard.
3: Yeah, no, that's, uh, it actually made me feel, because I was like, I got to take a Hit stop. This sucks. And he's like, "Nothing you can do about it." <laughs> so I was thinking, okay. Well, you know, yeah, it is good to have uh, somebody, somebody there that is, yeah, that is calm. And of course, like uh, the, the people along the course are really great too. Like just keeping you pumped up. You know, yeah. it's not every day that you get to run down the street and people cheer for you. So, yeah, there, there yeah.
0: wasn't a ton at Wineglass, but there was more than. Certainly more than the last time we ran one, yes, yeah. we ran it one time when it was raining pretty hard, and uh or no what was what was the first wind it was fifteen mm. mile per hour winds the whole way down. It was a rough day
3: ouch <laughs>
2: um you mentioned before when we were just chatting to coordinate this that so this is the first marathon or first event you've won. It's
3: the first marathon I've won,
2: okay. I, which is, which is funny to me because like your times are so fast and I just assume that you've won other races. So what was it like breaking the tape for the first time?
3: It was, it was really exciting. Yeah, it was really exciting. It's always, you know, I feel like every runner has that fantasy of breaking the tape and so rarely, uh, do you, do you get to break the tape and a lot of people never get to break the tape. So yeah, it was, uh. It's very exciting. Although, you know, I was looking at the marathon photos and I'm like coming down the line grimacing. And I was looking at those thinking, usually I don't do that. I was like, what was that? Like, why was I grimacing? And I look like, uh, in all sorts of pain, but, uh, yeah, it was really that they have such a nice, uh, like finishing stretch there too. It's so beautiful. Um, you know, they put all those plants out and everything. Um, it's such such a cute uh, little
0: part of town. Like you go down, it's like yeah. old timey. I don't know how to describe it.
3: Yeah. My, um, so my boyfriend was like right before the turn. And so he knew that I wasn't running as fast as I wanted to. And I remember him saying, put your head up. You're going to win the race. So I remember <laughs> thinking like, okay, like I've got to yeah, you got to like pull it together. And, um, cause it, like you said, like those last couple of miles are just, you're just weaving in and out everywhere. It's so strange. Um, but yeah, it was, it was nice. I was, Yeah, it was was very exciting.
2: At what point in that race did you realize you weren't going to hit the time you wanted? And, like, how did you mentally get through that?
3: Probably maybe around mile, somewhere between, I don't know exactly, probably mile 16 or 17 or so. Um, I, I had the sense because at that point, you know, I think I was running for a bit, I started running like, you know, six, 10 pace and thinking, okay, well, if I just fold this, um, which, which I didn't just hold that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I remember just thinking, um, I don't know. I probably, you know, I probably mentally fell, fell apart a little more than I should have. Like I should have like, lit a fire under myself a little bit more but i just remember just remember thinking okay just like stay strong and uh just keep you know keeping my my eye on the guy ahead of me um i think helped help me stay motivated although the trick is always this is that so many people slow down mm-hmm. so that you could be keeping your your eye on the guy ahead of you but but then slowing down more than you want to or more than you should be so but i think it was just you know looking ahead Trying to stay strong, like I know I can run a mar. You know, I know I can run a marathon, and so um, yeah. And th- then also thinking that, uh, and you could tell by the the you could tell by the cheers whether or not there's like another woman nearby. So I could tell that there wasn't another woman nearby, so that was sort of motivating as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's funny we had a conversation because uh, we did the Falmouth Road Race, which is a seven miler, um, and. Some of us had the names on our bibs and some didn't, but we noticed that if you were a female, you got way more cheers than than the guys out there. So, I I totally can understand. Yeah, you know when the when there's a lady around.
0: <laughs> How did you uh celebrate yeah, the yeah. win?
3: Um what did I do? So, um well, I had to so I had to pick up my dog from doggy daycare, so we had we we had to we had to come back to We live an hour away in Binghamton. Um but pizza. It's always pizza. So I always order a pizza. Um, you know, I drank the champagne that they gave you, although they gave me a three liter bottle of champagne, which I have not opened. Yet. <laughs> that's
0: pretty big. Um, You're going to need some friends to help you out. <laughs>
3: that's, that's exactly. So I thought, I thought I should have, uh, I should figure out when, uh, you know, all the runners in the area are getting together and share my champagne. Cause lots of people around here ran, uh, ran wine glass as well. Um, so yeah, pizza, um, Usually it's, is it bad? It's food. Usually it's food. I, I like, I order pizza. I like to lay around to celebrate. That's, um, that's a good
0: way to celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> did
3: That's pretty much it. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not much of a partier. So it's really like pizza and laying around.
0: Did you pick wine glass because of its proximity?
3: Yeah. So that was, so yeah, that was one of the reasons its proximity. It really made the most sense of the races that were, um, on the calendar during that time. Um, so, you know, I think Chicago had filled up. But, it, you know, I also don't the, – the big races are great, but what I don't like is how far in advance you have to register for them. So I've been looking around um, and just looking for a race that has, like, a decently fast course um, and just something that I thought would be a nice race. So, yeah, it made the most sense. Um, when I – you know, I was trying to qualify for the trials in 2020, I ended up not going to wine glass. I, I ended up deciding instead to go to the Toronto waterfront marathon. Um, but part of it, it was that my decision to go to a Toronto waterfront was because they, they were hosting the uh, Canadian Olympic trials. And I thought like oh, that would, yeah that, there would probably be a lot of people there that were running fast. Um, so this time I thought um, my, my thinking was a little bit different. It was more like convenience, more about like a race that I thought would be nice. Um, And so, yeah, I didn't run it again. That's a good question. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, so it's funny because again, in some ways I had a good experience and other ways I was disappointed in my time. So I'm still kind of, uh, still not grumpy about wine glass, but grumpy about myself and just thinking like, maybe I should focus on uh, a different distance, but I'm sure, you know, living in Binghamton, I'm sure I'll make my way to wine glass again. Maybe I could try out the half marathon at some point. I haven't done a lot of half marathons, so,
0: yeah. It's so interesting because you just assume when someone wins a marathon and runs a, a, you know, what you would consider a great pace and and great finish time, you just assume that they're happy with that performance and that was a great day and, you know, it's all roses. (laughs) Uh, So it's interesting to hear that like you still like feel like as much as it, you get the win out of it and that was great you felt like you missed your mark a little bit on personally what you wanted to achieve for the day.
3: Yeah, I think, I think I did. I did. I mean, I, I've made peace with it. I think was, I was very excited to win and also excited. So, um, this, the second place woman was Heidi peoples who has run all sorts of impressive times. And, um, and so I think, well, if I get out of the time trial mindset, then I think I did really well. So yeah, so I, after the race, I think I started to feel better, but I think the thing that I feel a little negative about is my suspicion that I didn't put at, put as much out there as as I could have. I can't know how the time or conditions or any of that stuff um, affected what I could do, but I think that mentally I could have put out more. And I think that's my little bit of disappointment.
0: You know, I wonder though, you know, that's a, it's interesting to hear because I like, if I run a good marathon, I'm always like, you know, maybe I didn't push quite hard enough and I could have done a little better knowing that if sometimes you push a little harder, you fold and you have a, you know, a crummy uh, marathon, it's such a delicate balancing act. And I don't think mentally we're ever a hundred percent satisfied with with the result like if you had a great year all-time you just get a PR and you're like you know I, I just felt like maybe I could have done a little bit better today <laughs> you know' it's, it's rough yeah Perhaps yeah know
3: that's yeah yeah no that's that's true because I think yeah you're right I I think I probably even though I've had some blow-ups in the marathon where there was like real blow up where it felt awful um, I think I I tend to be too conservative because I worry about that blow up or I worry about, I don't know what I worry is going to happen. But I, I think that I, I, I err on the side of being too conservative and then, then I, I regret it later, but it has its benefits. You know, that may be why it may be why I'm better at the marathon than I am at other distances. Because if you are a little conservative and you have a good day, then you can really turn it on at the end. Whereas like the people um, like, I'm, you know, I haven't run very many cross country races, but you know, you're standing on that big line and it's like, if you're aggressive, like that seems to reward people that are really aggressive. Whereas the marathon can reward you if you're, if you're not aggressive. Yeah from the get-go so, it's so hard yeah. in a
0: marathon not to get caught up in the start and not to you know want to just it feels so easy in the beginning the first you've trained and you're you're rested and so the first three miles kind of lie to you they're kind of like you're gonna have a great day just relax and and let it rip and if you do that you get crushed at mile 18. but yeah. Uh, so for me it is it's like a waiting game and i i felt like i had a a nice time at, at um wine glass and i was running with a friend that we decided to stay at a certain pace for a long time and i was feeling like i could i could go a little faster but i'm kind of glad that we stayed there because i did feel so good towards the end that's yeah that's, there's nothing like
3: failing yeah oh. Go
2: on. No, yeah, it's like, that's the key to the marathon is like just not going out too fast, but it's so hard. Yeah. And
0: now <laughs> next time I know I'll go out too fast because I feel be like I can <laughs> probably do this. Yeah. All right. Final check in. Are you still hung up on times? Let me tell you one more time so you hear it. Nobody cares what the pace you're running is other than you, and maybe if you have a coach. So just enjoy running. There's times for fast running. That's called a race. You can pick up the pace and show people what you got. But even then, nobody cares about your race result other than you. Unless you, uh, you know, ran in front of somebody and now they're in second place and they would have been in first place. But other than that, nobody cares. So just remember, we care, but not really about your times.
2: Um, so you ran the 2020 Olympic trials and 2016? Yeah. Okay, so when did you officially get your first qualifying time?
3: Um, so I – this is kind of tricky. So I first got it at CIM um, in 2015, but then – so that I ran – Two forty two fifty three, but then literally like four days later they changed the qualifying time to 245. So that meant that a time that I had run at Grandma's marathon in 2015 in June that that, that time I ran like 24350 something and so that time would have qualified me so but but I think of myself as, as having qualified at SCM, or I'm sorry SCM. at CIM. Yeah. yeah yeah now
0: 2016 was an incredible that was probably one of my favorite Olympic trials it was hot
2: as a spectator yeah as a spectator
0: (laughs) we we were running a marathon the next day and so we got to watch it on tv and kind of got us pumped up and of course Shalane is there uh desi was there um you know it was just such a such a battle watching how hot did it feel out in los angeles when you're running
3: it felt pretty hot so I'll, i'll tell you like i on the starting line um Somebody had some ice, and so we we're stuffing ice in our tops. Which this talk about a woman advantage. So you've got that sports <laughs> bra that you can pack full of ice. Yeah, but you got to keep um, it on the whole. But, time. <laughs> yeah. So um, I remember the ice melting by like mile two, and thinking, "Oh my gosh, like this, it's going to be it's going to be rough out here." So it did feel pretty hot, but um, but my coach was was really. Um, before the race, he, he told me, um, he's like, you know, it's really hot. Everyone's going to go out too fast. So um, every mile that you're in this race from the half marathon point on, you're just going to be moving up through the field. And so um, so um, Corey Kabatsky, um, he's he's a coach at University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, Um but his wife Lavina was in that race as well, and so I and I knew that Lavina ran really smart in the heat. So I thought, okay, I should stay a certain distance behind her, um, and so I used her to cue off of. So though it did feel really hot, I I you know some people had like got heat sick, and that did that didn't happen to me thankfully. But it was it was definitely very hot that day.
0: Yeah, it looked brutal, and Desi did the same thing. It was like she stuck to her plan and then just was able to reel them in there at the end.
2: So I yeah, I that's... would assume the like the OTQ day would just be more of like a victory lap like this is amazing or were you like trying to run as fast as you could.
3: No, I I it was so I took it really seriously, but so it was a victory lap, but it was also it was also I I wanted to make sure that I finished the race. So I was really conscious of that from the beginning because I knew I you know I knew that the conditions were supposed to be really bad. And I so my first marathon in Chicago in 2008, it wasn't like the the year before that was the the notorious yeah. year where I think some a man died. Yeah. But it was still pretty warm the second year. It was warm both times I ran it. And so I just knew from experience how how much of a toll the heat could take. So um so my goal was to make sure i i finished and that i finished it that it wasn't like a um to use a bad metaphor a, like a death march so i um so that was my goal the other thing is i was overtrained going into that race because so, because the the qualifying standard was sub two forty three, I'd gone to Indianapolis Monumental Marathon in November trying to get that standard, and I blew up in the last couple of miles and ran like low two forty five. So then I went to CIM a month later, and I'd never done that kind of tight turnaround. And so then I got the qualifier at CIM, but that but then that meant that you know that was in December, and so then I had the next marathon, you in know, February. in February, yeah. and then yeah. it was yeah. And so, in my training, I wasn't able to hit the same paces. It was because I hadn't had a break. So, so yeah, I wasn't in I wasn't in the the shape where I thought that I could PR and have my best race. But so the heat ended up being to my advantage, I think, because I could run a marathon, but I just didn't have the wheels 50, that I had yeah. before because I was overtrained. Yeah.
0: So you get the hot and sticky Los Angeles like midday <laughs> marathon. I remember it was like some yeah. weird hour they had it because it was going on at the same time as the regular marathon and then you go from there to now uh in atlanta more women qualify to run the olympic trials than ever before in history i'm guessing they're probably going to lower the standard again um but again it was a really tough day like in the course was hard it was a hilly course it was a windy day Like, are you you just feeling like they're putting the Olympic qualifiers at (laughs) the crappiest times and places (laughs) as possible?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Like, allegedly that – well, I think this is probably true that the original Olympic course was supposed to be hilly, so that's why they chose Atlanta. At least that that was what I had heard. Um, Yeah, it is a good question because certainly – I mean, well, probably up until 2020 it was like – the condi- like the conditions mattered, but it was still like the, the people that were the fastest were just leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of the field. So, you you know, we, it, like everyone knew that some combination of Des, Shalane, Amy, Kara, maybe Kellen Taylor, like everyone knew that like there were like maybe six or seven people that could make that team um, in LA. Whereas like it was much different um, in Atlanta. Atlanta. So yeah, it, uh, it makes me. I, I mean, I think about like certainly in Atlanta, the team was not the expected.
0: No, Molly piece. was her second. Was it her first, ses, first marathon. marathon? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about
3: yeah, dealer's yeah. choice. So it's a good. I mean, I I think for somebody like her, that course was it's like. I she mentally, I think, is like a beast. Yeah. I she, think she is like mentally.
0: When we interviewed her, she said it. It lined up exactly the what she likes to run. So, she was.
2: Yeah, like hard conditions, a hard course, like everything being super challenging, which is crazy, but apparently that's where she
3: thrives. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could, yeah. So it's, I mean, I guess for some people, it reminds me, do you know when Yuki Kowuchi uh-huh. won the uh, Boston and they said, well, what do you think of running in these terrible conditions? And he said, for me, these are the best possible conditions. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, maybe they're trying to mess with, with the people that are really great on a, on a fast flat course but um, they certainly they certainly pick out um, you know the people that can handle the the you know the hard terrain or whatever and definitely like Molly's one of those people yeah.
2: what's the um, the vibe and the feeling like on the starting line at the Olympic trials versus like a, a regular marathon
3: oh so for somebody like me, I am less nervous in a lot of ways because I know that there, that
0: <laughs> I know yeah, that, that
3: everyone's so much faster than me. The vibe was really different in LA than it was in Atlanta because in Atlanta there were so many people. Um, in LA, I just remember being, um, yeah, I mean, it felt more, felt more intimate, and I just remember being, I was scared a little bit that I was going to embarrass myself. Um, because you know, you're, you're around so many fast people. Um, so yeah, the, the yeah, the vibe was, it was so different there. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I remember feeling like really huddled as a tiny group when we were lined up for the start, you know, and you have like that camera swirling around on top of you, which is unusual. Um, in Atlanta, it was. Um, it felt more, much more like a, a regular race, and that there were so many people. Um, but there are also strange things too, like um, oh, she got married. But her, her is she Esther Herb now, or she's Esther Aiken now. Um, she won marathon championship, U.S. marathon championship, a couple of years ago. But I, I was doing a warm up with her, and I remember, the, you know, she had come back. It, back from injury and so was like not in like her, her peak form but it's unusual to do a warm-up with somebody who's like really good like that <laughs> and uh so yeah it, it is kind of it it's strange in that like you're surrounded by so many of the fast runners but at Atlanta it was like a little bit different because there were so many people although there are those things like I had never seen Jordan Hesse before I had never seen Molly Huddle before um so that was kind of interesting um Jordan is say it's like, she's so tiny. I was like, unexpected to me. I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, you could just get to see th- That's the cool thing is you get to see that those people or like in LA, I remember, you know, the streets were closed down and we we're warming up and there are just like all these spectators Yeah. and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Weird. You know. Yeah. As, as,
0: it is funny. Cause you know, we, we look around and we were just, we're in Chicago and Boston and you see all the people that are, you know, stars to us, but you know, running is, it's not like a NFL player or, you know, a baseball player, but you, it's so accessible. Like we're standing right next to, you know, people that we idolize or, or look up to and where it's, they're just right there. And so I can imagine like warming up and Kara gouchers doing strides, you know, <laughs> past you and stuff like that. it's like, oh, wow.
3: Yeah, no, no, that's right. And I, well, one of the other thoughts that goes through my head on a day like that is I think, well, thank God I'm not them. Because (laughs) I can't imagine, I cannot imagine the pressure if you're Kara Goucher about to get on that starting line. Um, So that, but you know, to your point about the accessibility too, the other thing is, I remember somebody telling me like about something like the Chicago Marathon, which is like, how many sports can you be in? Where the literal world record holder could be lining up for the same event as you, yeah. And so that's such a special thing because you can't. It's not like, well, how would I stack up against LeBron James? Well, now yeah. you know, yeah. you are on the court. Well,
0: we're, yeah, it, we're like uh, if football would be really tough because you know if you get sacked by you know three hundred pound muscular <laughs> guy, you're not going to last very long. But running, you know, I can I can run my uh, slow slow time next to. Uh, you know, some of the people that are out there, like we, it was fun for us because Shalane's doing, you know, the six marathon, she's doing all the all six of the Abbott world marathons. And, you know, we're, we're standing there two feet away from her when she runs by, she happened to be running by with a a guy that we know. And so we get the nod and the wave and I'm like, Holy, you know, Holy crap. There they are (laughs) right right there. And it's, it's just, it's just such a neat sport for, for the fans and, I just love it.
2: Okay, so before we have a couple end of podcast questions that we'd love to ask, but what is next for you? Do you have anything on the radar? you know
0: what? I want to ask her a question before we get there. Yeah. Okay, so you finished the Olympic trials in Georgia. Then boom, COVID hits. It all goes silent. So you're obviously serious about your running. You're serious about that. What was it like for you when you realized or i guess none of us really realized but we knew that there was going to be a pause for a little bit in running and you start seeing events getting canceled and dropped out what what happens like for you and in, in running what what was your relationship like why it went quiet
3: so for for me though i like racing and it keeps me motivated i think that I honestly think that I like running more than racing so I think it was easier for me because I just love like months of just the grind of the mileage so when I came when you know I took a little break and when I was easing back into running I did I did sign up for the there was this virtual run across New York State and so you had to run like I don't remember how many miles it was but you theoretically start out in like New York City somewhere and um, so I signed up for that just kind of mileage mileage goal sort of thing. Um, so th- that, ca- that kept me running a decent amount of mileage. Um, but yeah, I didn't really, I didn't sign up for a virtual race at all until, um, until I signed up for the 2021 Shamrock Shuffle because it's one yeah. of my favorite races. And I thought, well, I don't live in Chicago, but I can run it virtually. So that was kind of exciting for me because I thought, well, here I can participate in this, this race again. But for the most part, um, I think it was, I do think it was easier for me than it was for people who really um, get a lot of their energy from participating in the racing scene. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, you know but does. maybe it was like,
0: yeah. I, I agree with you. I love, like, we did a distance challenge thing for the month of uh, July and I got it like reconnected me, just loving um, running, like going out and just piling up mileage, doing two days and that kind of stuff where I kind of gotten out of that because I was so fixated on pace to just go up and gobble miles and, and be out there with, with a sense of accomplishment on its own. So I, I get that. Um, and I guess, you know, since uh, you're not sponsored, are you? No. So it's not like you have to maintain like, X number of races and, and that kind of stuff. So that takes a little pressure. That's off. right.
3: Yeah, that's right.
2: Okay, so what is <laughs> what is next for you? Do you have a, a goal or a race lined up?
3: I don't. Um, so I'm, I've thought about um, maybe I should go and try to run a, a 5K PR because I think I could do that. Um, partly because of the shoes you know mm. the shoes give you a little boost but um but i've I've actually run PRs at several distances this year so I think like it'd be kind of cool to do to try to do it in the 5k um it depends on how fat how quickly my fitness bounces back because um, i haven't i've only run once since um since wine glass I was gonna take one or two weeks off but then I got a little cold so I decided to extend but Maybe I'll work on my 5K PR. Maybe I'll try to um, gear up for a half marathon. Um,
0: I find it fascinating nothing. that we're seeing uh, so many people. Like before, you know, you might have thought, okay, for PRs, you got to be in your 20s. Maybe, okay, it crept up to 30s. We're so everybody that at Wineglass, the top three people. what
2: Top three women, we're all 40s.
0: Yeah, and you're That's talking great. about PRs and stuff. It's like, it gives like for an old guy like me, it gives so, so much hope that there's like room to continue, you know, uh, growing. But I also think that you take these women who are coming to the sport later that maybe didn't run in college, weren't track athletes, and they see this and they're like, I, I can, I have many years that I can not only compete, but I can improve and, and grow. It's, I just think it's like awesome.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, I think probably even, well, okay. So I didn't qualify for the Olympic trials in 2020 in the super shoes. Um, so I sort of get the sense that my, that I, if I've slowed at all, it's been a little bit, but one, I think one, I used to be set like I used to think, well, what could I have done if I had started running as a kid? But now I think about it as, well, I can't know, but it's, you know, probably I'll, almost certainly I'll never run as fast as I would have as PRs. If I had run when I was a a kid, you know, just having like that mileage. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like you can PR in, in your, in your forties. Um, and especially if you haven't, if you haven't been competitive in the decades beforehand that you, you still have potential you haven't reached or you can even improve like your age graded time. So that's right. something that I've started to look at too. Cause you know, if you look at the masters circuit, the people that participate in like the USATF road racing and track racing, there are people running incredible time, um in their, their 50s and 60s. And so I think having that incentive is is really great.
0: It It is nuts because I do think there's also two sides to that. I think people who started younger, sometimes they are injured and just beat up by the time they get to 35, 40, um, and then the other thing is they're disappointed that they can't run as fast as they did when they were in high school. They're comparing their mile time to, a, you know, when they were 19 or, or 18. And so they get discouraged. Whereas if you come in the sport later, sometimes you have more enthusiasm for the like getting better and, and having faster times and, and having new PRs that they're kind of like they don't have that mental uh, opportunity anymore.
3: Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. I think that's probably right. You know, you actually, you see that kind of mentality on the, it, it, if you ever venture onto the let's run message board, <laughs> oh, <geez>. um, <laughs> that kind of mentality will be like, what's the point in doing anything? Exactly. Like, uh, you, you know? yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. We avoid let's run. That's <laughs> nothing good comes from there. <laughs> yeah. it's, nothing good. It's yeah. Like you Twitter. can get
3: sucked into a rabbit hole, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> your afternoon.
2: For sure. Um, okay, we'll wrap up with our end of podcast questions. We
0: already know what she does to celebrate.
2: True. Um, so, when you're running solo, headphones or no headphones?
3: So, I used to be headphones all the time. Um, but so now, headphone- headphones or music if I'm on the treadmill? Um, usually not. If I'm not, every now and then I'll do music if I'm doing a hard workout to pump me up.
2: Okay. So music, no podcasts or anything?
3: No. Yeah. I, I don't pay attention enough. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I like it. Um, okay. We already know what your celebratory post-race meal is. Lots of pizza. And, and maybe champagne. And champagne.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and if you were not an assistant teacher, what would you be doing?
0: Assistant As- professor.
3: Assistant professor. Sorry. I mean, it would probably be something boring, like maybe a high school English teacher. Um, really bizarre, but um, I wanted to be in the FBI for a little bit, and I had thought of applying at some point. So I just don't know that I'm—I uh, have the nerve to carry a gun and intervene in things. But those would be the two career paths, I think. <laughs> I
2: like it. FBI or school teacher. Could go either way. Or an
0: undercover school teacher like Tom Street 21. There
2: we go. That's that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Be perfect.
2: All right. Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to sort of get to know you. Um congrats on the win. Yeah, congrats on the win.
3: Thanks. It was great talking to you.
0: All right. Well, that was great. Meg? You say hi to Ma. Hi, Ma. And Robbie, anything you want to say to the people? Um, thanks to Nick Sanchez for producing this. And thanks. I do want to
1: say thanks to everyone that writes into the podcast. I love on, it. Either on Instagram or through our email, info at com. Because we, I, especially last week's episode, we got a lot of notes. And it,
0: lately even. Yeah, I, you know what? I feel like you were a little vulnerable last week. Mm-hmm. And I think that you weren't sure that. That was the right thing to do. And you got some positive feedback from it. Yeah. I don't think you need to be vulnerable every week. We don't need to hear the sad stories every week. We've we've seen up that on Instagram. I I do believe that you opening up about some of your feelings about running help people relate to you more because you do see, especially on Graham and from Mm -hmm. different runners, you see two things. You see highlights of everybody running and doing well, and you see I'm injured post that's there's not really there's not really in between yeah so there's not that i just don't feel like running today post yeah (laughs) you know people just get quiet all of a sudden hey why didn't they have a post today because they didn't feel like running. yeah that's
1: pretty accurate but But, yeah thanks for uh, everything that we read does mean a lot yeah gail
0: with the sheets thing that was amazing
1: yeah somebody wrote into this like long email and then told us there's a like on sheets the gas station and then also told us there's a book about sheets. Which, Have you ordered it? No, made, not made yet. To order. We're going
0: to made to order.
1: Yeah, it's made to order to order. Order made to order.
0: Yeah.
2: So. Talking about sheets makes me want to go on a road trip.
0: Talking about maybe for lunch, I'll throw away the one you made for me, and I'll just go. <laughs> but a, a hoagie. I will say
1: sheets is, I feel like only great if you're like starving. Like say you like. Like on bike packing trips, or if you're a drunk as hell, like
0: <laughs> I like him for road trips. Road trips, like for us when we go down. Really, like when we drove to Ashworth, North Carol- South Carolina. Which one is that? Asheville. Yeah,
2: is North Carolina. North
0: yeah. Carolina. It was eight hours. That's why I wanted to say it was South because mm-hmm. it seemed like forever. And we stopped at like probably two sheets on the oh, way nice. down. Two sheets on. But the But I way
2: think
1: down. I think overall, Wawa's better quality. Like food, but she's when you're hammered it is uh, I went to the nice.
0: Wawa by uh our house yeah. because everybody talks that up. Yeah. Not that impressive.
1: This is oh. a
2: good one though. We should pull the people. Okay. Wawa or sheets.
0: Wawa, Royal Farms or Sheets. And then, well, do Farms we know chicken. any West Coast stuff? Because, like, we're going to be talking about it. These are mostly East Coast. I mean,
1: I think we just had to roll
0: East Coast. Yeah.
2: Sorry, West Coast West
0: Coast people. Gets West enough
1: Coast people can in and throw out. In. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: you guys. Well, In-N-Out isn't. I know, so, but people talk about it like right. it's the
1: second yeah. coming of they do. In-N-Out.
0: I'm going to say DM us or message us if you have a favorite. What Sheets is, it's one of those gas super gas stations. So, it has, like, a little market. It has a little. Touchscreen. Touchscreen ordering for. Hot and cold sandwiches. See, I
2: think that's why I love Sheets so much.
0: She doesn't have to interact with anyone. Oh. Yeah.
2: Well, and, like, you can, like, just type in your custom order exactly how you want it. It's not going to get messed up because... It's made to order. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, they definitely... It's a great idea. Meg won't eat anything really unhealthy for you, and I ordered fried mozzarella sticks oh, at Oh, they Sheet. make good ones. Meg had one of those. Yeah. They're
2: it, good. It, it was okay.
0: They they have a...
1: the. Amazing thing about sheets is you can do a mix and match appetizer sampler. So you can put in jalapeno popper triangles, like mozzarella sticks. I'm going
0: with Robbie next time because I think he knows how I to I feel order. like he's got like the, yeah. he knows like the. Like I do basic. I'm probably yeah. basic. I'm, I'm, I'm like your basic person coming in. It's like turkey sub. Well, dude, when <laughs> I
1: was, when I was broke um, back in the day, I would get like a six inch meatball sub and you could put like a lot of extra toppings on it. It was like two bucks and I would just get that as a meal and it was really came in handy. And now he's wearing $200 (laughs) foods every day to work. (laughs) Dude, I used to like, they had coupons and I would just, it would be like the best thing ever when you got a free MTO coupon. Anyways, that's are probably gonna.
0: All right. All right, Uh, we will say thanks to everybody for tuning in. And of course, hi Ma. And for those of you that are in the last drop club, let's pull that up real quick. Mm -hmm. and uh you know i'm gonna have to start you know doubling up like right now i only do people that you know write in for that week yeah but we've got uh sean elite oh is he elite is it like actually elite i i don't know oh that's a solid last name yeah dave run on iowa
1: (laughs) i'm guessing that's not the last name
0: no hector santos from puerto rico but living in boston a man a traveling man a man of the world yeah Getting up there. I don't understand why you'd want to go to Boston from mm. Puerto Rico.
2: You love Boston. I
0: love it, but if I could be in the sunny, you know, islands, I'm maybe sorry. he
1: we ran Boston and then his Southwest flight got canceled and he just lives there.
3: All right. This yeah. one's a
0: tough one. Guillermo Cuvenubias.
3: Oh, okay. That's
2: not right. I'll just go with Guillermo.
0: And then, of course, we just talked about him, but Gil Selby, aka Sheets Lover.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. Shout out to Gil. I'm gonna have to give him a shout out every week. Gil seems
0: Gil seems to be living a life. He's in Spain. Like, and he's not from Spain. He was in the UK. The reason he knows about cheese is he came and worked at a summer camp here Uh in Pennsylvania. And now he's running around Spain. That is a man of the world right there. Yeah, Yeah. it's a good life. Who would know that Gil Selby would be the guy that we're all (laughs) like uh, jealous of? Yeah. All right, cool. so that's it.
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will catch us next week with a very special guest with a mustache. Mm-hmm. And it's not me. No, no.